Thanks, Anna. That's, uh, that's great. Yeah, my name is Sai. It's my joy to speak to you this, uh, this Sunday on our last ser- uh, sermon on 1 Corinthians as we finish that, uh, that book uh, before, the summer, uh, before the autumn when we start the, the next series in our last Sunday, as Anna said, of being under the current lockdown restrictions that we are currently in. As Anna's said, let's humbly, gently, patiently deal with each other in love. And let's allow people to think things should be done differently to the way that you think it should be done as well. Can I just encourage you to settle in your own heart before God what you feel is right before him and go with that in faith and trust God to protect you, trust God to keep your life. He loves you. Your life is in his hands. He's a good, good father. He, all the days the Bible says ordained for you are written in his book before one of them came to be. He has plans for you. He has good works for you to fulfill. So trust him. And allow grace towards other people uh, as well. So as uh, the old saying goes, keep calm and carry on serving the Lord. Anyway, Mo's going to come up and read to us uh, our passage today from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you want to use this microphone here. Let me move these. Looks interesting. Well, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and then through 1 Corinthians 16. Um, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And now we're in 1 Corinthians 16, and he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door of effective work is open to me and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Final instructions. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not all at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus was the first converts in Achaia, 
and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints, be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mo. That's wonderful. So I started with uh, verse 58 as Anna uh, finished with that last week because it helps, I think, set the, uh, the context in which chapter 16, the closing chapter of the letter, is written. And today I want to look at, uh, look at standing firm in the faith and serving the Lord Jesus Christ through his church. And I'm going to draw out different things that Paul says in this passage that help us to know how we stand firm and uh, how we serve the church in what areas Paul sort of speaks about from chapter 16, knowing that as we do that, as we labor, as Anna said last week, to the point of weariness almost, uh, that actually our labor is not in vain. And as 2 Corinthians 4, 17 tells us, it's actually building for us an eternal weight of glory that far outseeds what uh, we are currently going through. So if you like, verse 58 is Paul's belief, and chapter 16 is the outworking, the practical outworking in Paul's life of that belief. But before I apply this, I'm going to need some volunteers to just demonstrate something quickly. I need two people from the same household. Okay, Barney and uh, Nathaniel, sorry, I'm going to come forward. And I'm going to need two other volunteers. Now, before you volunteer, you need to know you're going to be baddies, these two other volunteers. Uh, okay, we need two from the same household. Uh, so, in a, is it just going to be Elizabeth and Sam? Uh, go on then, Mike, Elizabeth and, and Sam. Right, so you, you stand over here. So, you know the game, the floor is lava. Yes, so now the floor here is lava. Okay, and you have these special lava proof mats to work together to get across. From this side, so you come and stand on your lava-proof mats. There you go. You stay back up there. And you've got to work together to get all the way over to pass Mo, who read to us this morning. Okay? Okay, now work in your mind how to do it. And, and just to help protect you as you go. Remember, if you touch the floor, uh, it's lava, you can't do it. You've got these to help protect you. Now, you can stand up here, you two. Now, you're baddies, and you're just there to distract them and throw things at them. Try to watch people in the crowd as well. Oh. But, <laughs> but they are, uh, they are they're softballs. So, right. Oh, okay, they're going already. We can cheer these guys. We're cheering for these guys. These are baddies, okay? <laughs> Oh, you can do it. Stand back a little bit. Watch other people. (laughs) 
Vení, Elide. Vení, Elide. Fair back, you two. Come on, keep going in your. One more, and you've done it. Hey, they've done it. They're safe. Well done. Come on, you. That's enough. It's, it's going to be enough to tidy up afterwards anyway. <laughs> there you go. Maybe you two through them may just want to sort of scoop them over there out of people's way so they don't trip over them as uh, we leave the building afterwards. That'll be great. Yes. So anyway, the point of that game, apart from having a, a little bit of uh, fun, was as Nathaniel and Barney worked together, they were able to get the job done, as Bob the Builder says. Working together, you get the job done. And actually, as they served together, it made things easier. And, uh, and it's the same is true as we work for God. As we work together as a church, we can move faster and we can get, we can get all that he has called us to do done. So, chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. The first thing that comes to the Apostle Paul's mind after writing to the church about being steadfast and abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain, is he addresses the area of giving. Paul is responding to a question that they have raised with him about the uh, special offering that they were raising, because it starts with that phrase, now concerning, as we've seen, that whenever you see that, that's a, a part in the letter that they wrote to him, and he's addressing the, those, uh, those issues. But he says, on the first day of the week, that is on a Sunday, that was the first day of the week and still is, which is a real indicator that even though the Bible says in Romans 14, verse 5, that from a theological point of view, there's no sort of special day over uh, the other from a religious point of view. However, from the beginning, it would seem to appear that the early church met on a Sunday. They gathered together on a Sunday. And uh, can I encourage us, the Bible says, not to neglect meeting together. Let's continue to meet together as his people. So this reference to the first day is talking about money being collected at the church and put aside so that he doesn't have to do a separate collection when he comes along. Now, you'll notice also that it says to each of you. That could be translated to each one of you. He's including everyone, saying we all have a part to play in giving to the work of the Lord, depending on how we have prospered, how God has blessed us financially. The collection here was going towards the saints in Jerusalem, partly because there was this prediction of a famine, but the famine was to be all over the land. So it wasn't solely to do with that. In Romans 15, verse 27, Paul makes it clear if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessing of Israel, they, the Gentiles, ought to be of service to them in material blessings as well. That's Romans 15, 27. This principle holds true, this uh, you know, blessing, uh, material blessing for a spiritual uh, blessing in the local church as well. 1 Corinthians 9, 11, Galatians 6, 6 makes clear. My friends... 
If we truly want to see God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, if we want to be steadfast and abounding in the work of the Lord, this will manifest itself in our giving individually. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've spoken a bit about giving lately, so I just want to bring out a, a more subtle message as well on, uh, from this passage as well, in the light of the terrible racism that we've uh, seen this week after our England fans doing us so, England, not fans, England team doing us so proud. The fans have not done us so proud, or some of them at least. Do you know, there's no room for racism in the church The biggest racial divide in history between Jew and Gentile has been bridged in Jesus Christ. Not only did the Jews despise the Gentiles, as many of their recorded prayers would give testimony to, but the Greeks and the Romans, they hated the Jews as well. But in Christ, we're all made one. We're all equal, whether Jew or Gentile, whether male or female, whether rich or poor. The biggest divide of race and gender and social equality have all been bridged in Jesus Christ. Here, this predominantly Gentile church in the important city of Corinth is raising money for the unimportant, in terms of the empire, unimportant city of Jerusalem that was notoriously rebellious. This shows the love and unity that they had in Christ Jesus and that we too as Christians today are called to have towards all people around us in that we show them that love in the hope that they will come to know Jesus, that they will come out from under the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his glorious son, the kingdom of light, adopted into God's family as they surrender their life to Jesus Christ, believing that he died for them on the cross and that God rose him again to eternal life, giving eternal life to all who put their trust and their faith in him. Verses 5 to 12. You see Paul's, Timothy's, And Apollos' plans and decision-making are given over to the work of the Lord through serving the church. Paul plans his trips to go around strengthening local churches. But he also recognizes that even he is not wise enough to fully discern God's will. So he says, we know, uh, according if the the Lord permits him, he will will do that. He's going to stay longer in Ephesus. He puts other plans on hold because why? A wide door of effective ministry has opened up to him, even though there's opposition. Prior says about the opposition, he says, the presence of opposition does not mean that we have moved out of God's will. Actually, it's often a sign that we are doing an important work for God. The Bible says to us to preach his word in season and out of season. Just as there are seasons in your life, there are seasons in the life of the kingdom. And we need to be prepared to preach in season and out of season. And prophetically, 
we're believing in God, that we're entering a, a period of time that's going to be in season, so to speak, where God is going to open up a wide door of effective ministry to us here at Christchurch. Expect the unexpected, but with opposition coming your way. Know, knowing that the light will shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Shine your light to those around you. Make the most of every opportunity, knowing the days are evil. Ephesians 5 verse 16 tells us. Timothy, despite the fact that he is going to be despised by them, they're going to make things difficult, went to do the work of the Lord amongst them because he realized that that was more important than the opposition that he was going to face. Apollos, in the same Apollos who in chapters 1 and 3, we see that the church had, had built camps around between him and Paul. They were, they were trying to divide. Actually, they were on the same team. And Paul wasn't worried about himself. He was encouraging Apollos to go and uh, bless the church there. However, it wasn't his will to go. Now, where, where it says his will in the passage... Theologians are unsure as to whether it actually means in the Greek, whether it means God's will or Apollos' will. But either way, Apollos will come when he can. Just a little interesting aside here that's worth you just taking a mental note of is that you see apostolic and pastoral counsel is always received. It's never enforced upon People. Paul says to him, I want you to go. He makes it clear he wants him to go. But he doesn't say, oh, Apollos was disobedient for not going to my command. Or, you know, he doesn't, doesn't blame Apollos for that. He just says, oh, no, he'll come when he can. What about you, my friends? What about your life, your plans, your decisions? Don't sort of say to yourself, oh, well, that's fine for Paul. He he worked for the church. Well, no, he didn't, actually, a lot of the time. He did sometimes, but sometimes he tent-made on the side to provide for the work of the church. And even, even when he did work for the church, remember, he writes to all of us in Colossians 3, verse 23 to 24, and says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So whatever you do, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a salesman, whether you're a pupil in school, whether you're a home help, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a pastor, it doesn't matter. All these roles, if you are, your heart is in it to serve the Lord, you can do as if you are serving God. Is your heartbeat the same heartbeat as that of heaven and the apostle Paul to build the church and to reach the lost for the glory of God are your plans and decisions brought before God in prayer are they submitted to his sovereign will for him to shape them as he sees best do you hold things off that promotion that dream holiday because God has opened up an effective door of ministry to you in this season. Do you continue going 
even when things get difficult, knowing that God is working through you in power. Verse 13 and 14 tell us to be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Church, we need to be looking to see what God is doing at this time in our day. Not just looking with our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes and seeking God in prayer. Expect opposition. That's why we have to stand firm, because things are trying to stop us from standing firm on the truth of God's word. There's pressure to conform to the world. Act like men means to be full of courage and to take responsibility. Those two elements to it. Which Paul is saying to both men and women in this passage, let's just to be clear. But men, take note. Do you know it's an indictment on our society that when you use a phrase, act like men, actually what comes to mind more readily is men behaving badly and not taking responsibility. God expects men to take responsibility and to be courageous. And he expects all of us, men and women, to be courageous and take responsibility for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to do this requires strength. That's why the encouragement there is to be strong. But it's not brute strength where we just force our way or force things on people. It's done in love. It's done humbly. It's done gently. My friends, this verse, this verse alone, if you're reading it, sets the bar very high for us as Christians. Too high for us to do by ourselves in our own strength. But praise God, he hasn't left you alone. He has given you another, a helper, to be with you, to empower you to live, as Anna was reminding us from that passage from Acts chapter 1. We have power from on high to help us live from God through the Holy Spirit. And his grace is there. Grace that, first of all, enables us to feel convicted when we get things wrong, but also gives us grace to make mistakes, to apologize, and to have a fresh chance and live for Christ as we should. My friends, as you read verses 13 and 14, I hope you realize there's such a tall order that is set upon us as his church to live up to, but you're not alone in it. God's grace and his spirit will help you to do it. So seek his spirit each day and live in his grace, knowing that our love for Jesus is expressed through our obedience to him as well. Verses 15 to 18, Paul tells us there that we're called to be imitating those devoted to serving the local church. Most likely, that's Stephanus in the, in the passage there, is the same one who in 1 Corinthians 1.16, Paul says he baptized him and his household. And he's also most likely a leader in the early church of Corinth. But more importantly than that, these guys are recommended because they devoted themselves to the work and service of the saints. Are you devoting yourself to the service of the saints? Are you laboring to the point of weariness 
to serving the local church. And I say local church because that's what Paul's writing to here, to Corinth, the church in Corinth, the local church setting, knowing that your service is not in vain. Do you know that virtually every area at the moment, particularly as we're looking at opening up things again from the autumn, virtually every area could do with more servants in the church, whether it be, as Anna said earlier, the welcome team, task team, hospitality team, kids work, youth work. We all, all those areas could do with extra people helping with them. And those of you who are serving, as I know we've got many servants in the room, serving to the point of weariness, and you're thinking, God, I'm tired doing this. Know that your labor is not in vain. And actually, God will reward you as you serve him. Remember Galatians 6, verse 9 to 10, tells us this. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we can think, oh, no, I'll do that because they're not a Christian. We really want to show them the love of God, which, of course, we do. But we sometimes neglect to show that to the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, they're all right. They know Jesus. And yet Paul tells us here, especially, we should continue to do good, especially to the household of faith. Because how we treat each other is a witness in itself. So if you're interested in serving, please speak to Steve or Jenny, Ello, Emmy or Owen about any of these areas and they, and they will help and they will, and they will yeah, put you to good, fruitful service in that. Anyway, moving on. Verses 19 to 20. Notice Paul closes by sending... Greetings throughout the chapter and actually throughout the book. He's mentioned names of people that are known to them or they, they at least know of them if they don't know them personally. Do you know, we stand firm in the faith and we serve the church not by being creedal or hierarchical, but by being relational. Church is family. That's what we are together. We're adopted into God's family from every tribe, every tongue, every nation and background. And we love each other. Paul finishes his letter in verse 24 by, by telling them that his love be with them. It's relational. It's family. We're family together on a mission, as Terry Virgo once said about New Frontiers, our network of churches. And that's true of our network of churches, and that's true of us in this room as Christchurch together. We are family together on a mission. Paul brings this wonderful letter that we've been going through to a close by, taking, by giving up dictating to the guy and taking the pen and writing the last few verses himself. And in them, he brings a strong warning and a blessing. Because these aren't small matters that he has been teaching on. They have eternal significance. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is under God's curse. Or as John 3, verse 36 puts it, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Hooray! Whoever does not obey... The Son 
shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Notice there the link between love and obedience. They don't obey the son. The wrath remains on them. Gordon Fee, in his commentary on this, commenting on verse 22, says, verse 22 covers the whole letter. Failure to obey Christ is lack of love from him. That is the root cause. And we need to lead people into the love of God so they experience it and they're changed by it and they reciprocate the love of God, my friends. Paul closes with a word of grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. The letter begins and ends with grace. And Gordon Fee, in his book as well, says this, grace is the beginning and end of the gospel. It is the single word that most fully expresses what God has done and will do for his people in Christ Jesus. Grace meaning God freely giving us what we don't deserve. It's his unmerited favor towards us. And thankfully, you know, people responding to Jesus is not down to us. It's, we have a part to play, but it's down to the grace of God. And us standing firm and serving the Lord is not dependent on us either. We have our part to play, but it's the grace of God working through his church. And it's all due to the finished work of Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. So we stand firm and we serve the church through our giving, through our decision making, through being watchful, courageous, strong and loving people, by being relational and by recognizing that actually what we're caught up with here and what you're caught up with in your life as you live for God has eternal significance. They're not insignificant things. God has eternal plans for you. And what you do here will impact things eternally. Let's pray. As I pray, if the band could uh, come back up as well, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you so love the world that you gave your one and only son, Lord God. You didn't start by saying, come on guys, you need to work harder, you need to try this, you need to buck up your ideas. Lord God, you sent your son to die on the cross for us, Lord God. That was a gift of your grace. And Lord God, thank you that when we turn to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, Lord God, you don't say, right, now you've done that, you need to buck up your ideas. You give us your Holy Spirit, to help us, to put that inner desire in us, to live for you. Yes, we have a part to play. Yes, we have to surrender our will and our actions and our desires to you and live for you, Lord God. But you've given us the strength we need. And I just pray, Lord, for each person here, would you just pour out your spirit afresh on them this morning? Just put your hands out to receive from God if you feel comfortable doing that. Holy Spirit, just come. Just come and feel people, Lord God. Lord, it's you who love us with a steadfast love, Lord. It's you who makes us stand firm. Lord God, it's you who gives us the strength we need to serve you. 
So, Lord, come. Lord God, I pray. Holy Spirit, just fill us as your church. Lord, help us to live for you. Lord God, to serve you in our generation and to help extend your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus and you think, actually, yeah, I realize I need to surrender my life to Jesus, then can I encourage you just to pray this prayer along with me now. It's just a prayer of surrender. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me of all that I've done wrong. And through the power of your spirit, help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. 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 Can I invite you to to stand? And let's use this song as a response song to God, as to say, God, I want to give myself to you. I want to honor you with my life. I want all my decisions to reflect that I want to serve you with my life. Over to you, Robert.